When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line by David Hartrick. How are you doing, David Hartrick? I'm tired. You're the tired, real Stephen. The real David Hartrick in the in the actual weak flesh here. Yeah, and I had a lot of comments about that podcast appearance, and I just want to reassure everyone, I was genuinely livid. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Don't need you at all anymore. Um <clears throat> Two games to talk about, since we have to. Um, <laughs> Rotherham United 2, Huddersfield Town 1, and Huddersfield mm. Town nil. Preston North End 1. Uh, I felt slightly forgiving of them after Rotherham, because I felt like they didn't perform too badly. Obviously, silly mistakes for the goals again, but nothing as sort of catastrophic as we'd seen in, in some of the previous games. It felt like a very sort of standard championship away defeat to me and i felt like if town weren't in the position they were in you sort of go oh wow one of those days but uh much less forgiving after the the preston game uh which i thought was dreadful um should we start with the, the games first of all dave and then talk about things sort of more widely yes yeah i i was i was with you i thought the I thought the reaction to the Rotherham result was quite bonkers, really, because a lot of people went way over the top. I thought it was, I didn't think it was a good performance. And I said this on Twitter, I didn't think it was a good performance, but I didn't think it was a bad performance either. It just looked like a team who were trying to get their new manager's methods and ways of doing things down, really. And um, yeah, that's not the wider opinion. As I found out when I checked on social media, you know, there was a lot of people completely up in arms about it, but like Rotherham have been a really good, well-organised side so far this season. I, in my uh, pre-season predictions, which Matt does for the other podcast, they who should not be named, um, you know, I had Rotherham surviving this season for the first time in God knows how long after promotion to the championship because I just, I think they've got a, not a brilliant squad, but sort of a well-organised, well-structured squad, and a, they're just a very organised first eleven and. Yeah, I I just couldn't. I don't know. I strangely just couldn't get myself worked up about it, Steve. Yeah, I I felt much the same way. I think we saw some patterns start to emerge. We saw more of the the centre central midfielders getting forward and doing overlaps, mm-hmm. um, overlapping Dwayne Holmes, and they were you know using those players. You ended up with basically a front five or six at times with the two wing backs pushing forward two center forwards and at least one of the central midfielders getting into the box at any time uh and i think some of their build was good um they created as as mark fotheringham said i think he maybe overstated it saying they created loads of chances but they definitely created chances there were two in particular that fell to jordan Rhodes, where if he yeah if he doesn't have his boots on the wrong feet as it looked like he did he he gets you know he doesn't get it stuck between his own feet and he gets a shot away and probably scores from those positions um other chances as well um and you know they need to take those chances but uh 
there we, was also the, the there's also the the fact that we we try and defend referees and we often see a lot of the sort of 50 50s and we don't have the same view as fans but i like a lot of fans seem to be quite soft on that penalty i thought it was a definite penalty definite penalty i, I mean I he's, he's looking he, he for was, the contact but he gets it yeah he was he was looking for it and i think that's what kills it in the ref's mind but I mean, he gets a full leg across the back of his leg that literally takes him off his feet. So, mm. you know, they get that penalty, and and if 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 they score and make it two two, I honestly think there's a good chance they they may well have gone on and won that game. So, you know, if we're going to talk about sort of sliding doors moments, there was one right there, really. But I, th- I think people, as you say, a lot of the response to that game was people treating it as though it was the you know a performance like we saw against Reading for instance and it it was a million miles from that it was way better than that um still not perfect but as you say it was a a team that was sort of learning some patterns um but um you know we we sort of went a bit soft on them as a result because it's like okay well we know they're rubbish away from home their home form uh has been good recently they've had sort of back-to-back wins they've had clean sheets uh, when I looked at the weekend, I think they were 13th in the home form table, uh, which again isn't brilliant, but is you know far better than mm. than they're away, where they still only got one point. And you thought, well, if they can keep improving against Preston and sort of maintain that that sort of upward curve, then um, then they'll get at least a point, probably three out of it. And instead, they just regressed again. I thought that was a really really poor performance. Yeah. We're gonna get, we're gonna rip them one here, aren't we? Yeah. Because they, it, it was, it was really poor, really, really poor. They, they, it felt like, uh, it felt like all the problems that Huddersfield Town have historically had all coming in one game, which was softness at the back costing them, rash decision making early on, um, not being creative enough, not being able to play through the middle, not having anybody who can be effective as a ten. Yeah, I mean, like to get out past in the nature they did, you know, like Preston had more of the ball, out past them by over 100 passes. It was... And that's a team yeah. that sat back for 40 minutes in their own third yeah. and were looking to play on the counter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make one caveat, right? And then we can move on to town in that Preston are a horrible side to play against in that... They know Town struggled creatively, but that did not stop them defending as a seven and packing the box at every opportunity to stop any space. And having a real, having like they were pressing high in certain areas of the pitch, but really staying quite deep to to just deny any space because they knew they were facing two strikers. And I wouldn't say they were great at it or anything like that. And I'm not, I mean, it was pretty dreadful to watch. We, Ryan Lowe's press conference afterwards was quite illuminating because he was incredibly positive on their performance, wasn't he? And, he and, was their, saying, and, their, and their local media were going, yeah, but that was really poor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, kept, he kept going, what game are you watching? It's like, we're watching the game that we watched. Yeah. Ryan Lowe. Yeah. So, but that's enough on Preston, really. Horrible side to play against. They they set out to play a certain way, and boy, did they play it. Town couldn't break them down, but oh, yeah, let's get into it then. Well, they started all right. They, <laughs> they yeah. created a chance early on. Um, six minutes in, Ben Jackson cuts inside. Dwayne Holmes have gone out to that flank. Nice move. Uh, Jackson cuts inside, puts in a lovely cross on his right foot. Uh, I thought Jackson, probably alongside Helic, was 
was one of two players who I thought like did their jobs on the day, but they kept ignoring Ben Jackson later on. But he gets mm. the cross in, and it's a really good ball in for Danny it, Ward. Who it was, score. yeah, it was it was the most Toffolo Ben Jackson has looked, hasn't it? That little <laughs> moment, that little step run, and a lovely little dink crossover like that. But we we are going to get into specifics, but he's got to hit the target there, Danny yeah. Ward, hasn't he? I'm I'm not. It's a it's a difficult header, so I'm not saying he should definitely score it, but it's one where you would you would hope he gets it on target at least. He, he almost seemed surprised that it came over to him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm not sure there's any particular reason why he should have been so surprised, other than maybe it's just oh, I'm getting a touch inside the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. leave it, leave it, Steve. And then you're thinking, oh, yeah. But then you're thinking, all right, we'll keep doing that and you'll get a goal eventually. But, like, that was it. Like, 84 minutes goes by and that's the only yeah. major chance you're talking about. And, you know, we can sit here and talk about, you know, Sorba Thomas played a ball into the box at Jordan Roads, almost got there. There was another one where he put a cross in and just no one was on the end of it, just needed a touch. There's another one in the corner he put a cross where there are three town players who all sort of were standing in a line going up for it and none of them met it. Um, so it's not like they didn't have sort of openings, but we can't, we're 14 games into the season now, almost a third of the way through the season. And we can't keep giving Huddersfield Town credit for almost creating chances when when they're, you know, we're recording this before the Coventry game kicks off, um, recording this sort of Wednesday tea time. But, you know, if Coventry avoid defeat, Town will be bottom of the table. Um, and even, even after that, they've got another chance to do it, Coventry. So, yeah, we, we can't... We can't keep sitting here and patting them on the head and going, oh, well, you're almost creating chances. You're almost creating shots on goal. When at home against a bottom half side, they've not managed to shot on target all game. It's it's just not good enough. No, it's not. And five shots off target, four, there were four other shots that were blocked. You know, five shots to effectively get through to the goal line in a game, it's, it's just nowhere near good enough. And... Like, I think we probably need to get into some individuals and what have you. I don't think the system was wrong, particularly. I, I, think, the way Preston, I think the way Preston play, you have to try and start with two up top. Because, like I say, they defend as a yeah. seven, sometimes a nine. So, Well, you, the, the, the Preston had lost, all of the games Preston had lost this season have been against teams playing that system, playing that 3-5-2, yeah. most of them with a 10 in the hole. So, yeah, it was the right system to begin with. And so... You look at how and why and what unfolded, and I think we have to frame this in. We have to be honest with everyone here and say, like, we've seen social media. We know what the fans are saying. We know there is a huge section of fans who are basically saying that Mark Fothering got it quite completely wrong. He, you know, he made every decision was wrong, his tactics wrong, etc. But let's just go through some of those things. It's not Mark Fothering's fault that. David Kasumu goes and launches into what, what was a very bad challenge, you know. Yeah, it was. Late, later in the game, I don't know. it Because not only was he sort of off the floor, it was a scissors tackle as well. There are mm. some refs who would have looked pretty dimly on that. But that was the eighth minute. Mm. And we know what sort of player David Kasumu is at the moment, don't we? we mm. <laughs> which is, how do you top your wages up, Steve? <laughs> well, the, the old... Uh... Player to be carded, 2.25, fiver on that every game. There we go. There you go. And 
eight minutes in, that's like, you know, that's clipped his wings, hasn't it? Yeah. It was notable how many sort of 50-50 balls that you would normally expect him to challenge for yeah. he, he had to pull out of and, and rightly pulled out of. But, you know, he's he's sort of... If they're going to get anything going at the moment, it feels like, you know, we know that Fotheringham likes them on a high press. And by the way, uh, I'll, I'll finish that point, actually. And obviously, if, you, if, you play, if you've got your best ball winner playing on a yellow card, you're going to struggle to do that. But by the way, did you notice how many times in the first half Rhodes and Ward would go pushing the defenders um, mm. off balls over the top and they'd press and then Danny Ward would turn around and the nearest midfielder to him was about 30 yards away and he'd, yeah. they were just jogging and he'd throw his arms up and go, where, why, are you yeah. all, why are you all the way back there? There's that side of it. But if you like just touching it on something else in the midfield, Dwayne Holmes' role to sort of play this, this proto 10, 8 slash 10, I, I thought, as Steve knows, I thought he had a bad game against Rotherham. You know, like 18 touches in over an hour's worth of football playing as a sort of 8 slash 10 is, that's not great. Particularly when you saw the amount of space that Rotherham were leaving in front of that defence. Last night, I thought he, he was, he spent a lot of the game just drifting. You know, he couldn't get a foothold in the game at all. And it was crying out for, like, we'll get onto the subs as a separate thing, but Dwayne Holmes in that role just wasn't working for me it needed something else it needed to try somebody else in there because Preston were just they in the end they just basically stood off him they just gave him space because they knew any time he got the ball in there there was no one to pass to anyway because they just went tight on on Ward and Rhodes and he was only looking forward so I it just didn't work you know and I don't think as as much as we didn't criticise the Rotherham performance, I don't think Dwayne Holmes in that role worked against Rotherham either. So I think you really had to look at some point and say, right, let's change the system, let's move something around, let's let's do something different. Because if you always do what you've always done, mm-hmm. you'll always get what you'll always what you've always got. And that lack of variation really hurt them, I think, second half. Really, really hurt them. And and who did they have on the bench? What number 10s do they have? Oh, wait, they had three. Yeah. <laughs> Jack yeah. Rodoni, who actually did come on. He sort of originally, initially for the first few minutes played, just was a straight swap for Kasumi. Then he pushed on mm. and became an extra 10. But you also had Conor Hone and Brahima Diara sitting on the bench. Neither of them got on. Rodoni was his only change. And, yeah. and I, I, I can't get my head around that, even no. still. Like... If Sorba Thomas had been, we know he's been his fall on the set piece has been excellent recently. It's the only way town has literally the only mm-hmm. way town has scored since Father Ungham has come in. It's from um, chances they've created from from Sorba's set pieces. But he was off it yesterday. You know, there were a couple he put straight into touch. There was one that he curled straight out, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, uh, didn't even enter enter the box. It's not like he was particularly on form. And you've got Mahoney sitting there, who is another set piece specialist didn't come on. You've got an extra striker on there, Charles Ondo, didn't come on. You've got Brahima Diara, who we know, you know, can cause mm. chaos. Um, and, and it needed a little bit of chaos. Exactly. It and it needed a, a bit of the unexpected. And I don't understand how, you know, I, I accept what Mark Fotheringham says about sometimes making too many changes can destabilise the side more than it helps. And it, yeah, it can. We've seen that. But mm. one, they went an hour in the game 
between sort of the 20 something minute, I put it in the conclusions, the 20 something minute and the 83rd minute, they had one shot and that was Dwayne Hard, Dwayne, Dwayne Yards. That was Dwayne Holmes <laughs> from about 25 yards. Um, so it's not like they were creating loads of chances and it was just, let's leave this as it is because we're doing fine and we're going to get it eventually. They didn't look like scoring. And you had, you know, you and I are big fans of Ollie Turton's, more so than a lot of people. But Ollie Turton is not the man you want on the pitch when you're 1-0 down chasing a game mm. and every man is in the Preston third and you've already got two out-and-out centre-backs on the pitch. It's not like he's six foot three and he's going to score from a set piece. Um yeah. So, yeah, I don't understand that element of it either. No. And so I think we have to say, OK, well, that's a criticism of Mark Fotheringham. But mm-hmm. let's let's move on to something yeah. else. Another it, criticism I saw, which was, well, it's Mark Fotheringham's fault because he's playing all these young kids and they haven't got championship experience. I saw that last night. You know, oh, they, you can't play kids in this league, etc. Average age of... Uh, Towns team last night, 27 years old. 27 years old. There was more than enough experience on that pitch to counter for Ben Jackson, who we know is, is has played a little bit of football, but is sort of early into this role. And Etienne Kamara, who's been a bright spot in some dim games so far. Mm. So I'm not having that as a criticism either it's it's again it, it comes down to individuals for me i just don't think anybody on that pitch like i i'm with you i think jackson was okay i think helic mm-hmm. was okay mm-hmm. helic did what helic does which is be a good defender but not be that great on the ball yeah but other than that you really can't i i i'll hand on hand on heart we were busy after and i've been busy to say i've not seen your player rating steve mm. but did anybody else get more than a five uh, Maybe Lee Nichols, obviously. Nichols, and I think I gave Turton a six as well. That was it. Yeah, I, I. The thing is, that game last night needed somebody to take a bit of responsibility. It needed somebody to sort of pull the socks up and go right. This isn't good enough, you know. Yeah. And there was plenty of leaders on that pitch. Mm-hmm. Tom Lee's Helic. You know, even Kasuma, who is young, but he is that is his character. You know, Dwayne Holmes has, has plenty of football under him to, to step Rhodes, up. Danny Ward. Jordan Rhodes, Danny Ward. There's leaders all over that pitch. And Well, <laughs> yeah. Also, Mark Fotheringham would tell us. <laughs> he keeps yeah. talking about how many leaders he's got. But they're not I showing just, it. I just think there was a real abdication of responsibility last yeah. night. There was a real... I, it was what was so disappointing was that even before it became sort of the pattern was set in the second half and it was obvious they needed to mix it up and they didn't mix it up and they didn't change it and you go okay well that's a massive criticism but from about the 15th maybe 20th minute they they just didn't offer anything you know they 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 went in at half time after they had like you brought it out Ward's header that was it just yeah. completely toothless again and that you know you can go in on the manager all you want, and a lot of people did on social media last night, but this manager has not been here that long. All these players have, and all these players, you know, allegedly were struggling under Danny Schofield because they didn't know what they were doing and where they were going, and they weren't being coached how they like, etc. You know, you're second bottom of the league, and you're 1-0 down in a home game. <laughs> Someone well, takes some responsibility. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what was really disappointing for me. And 
you know, Jordan Rose did what Jordan Rose does. He was trying, he was trying to get involved, but you know, he he was a bit stymied second half by his yellow card as well, Steve. Because and that was another one. He was quite. Lucky. It, that was I an, wouldn't. I wouldn't have been surprised if it, that had been a red. That card. was an orange card, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was your proto orange card right there because he wasn't in control of that elbow. And remember, it's not about intent. Before we get people saying there was nothing wrong about it. it's not about intent. It's about control. Same so, thing. so yeah, it was. <sighs> We even had, I'll tell you how bad it was last night. We even had a debate last night briefly about was that their worst performance this season? And we, I certainly think it was at home. You still think Burnley at home on the opening day. Yeah. The Reading performance is probably still overall their worst, we think. Yeah, yeah. But the fact we're having that discussion 14 <laughs> games in is just. And having to, to rack our brains over it as well. And this is like, you know, I think people could. If you were sort of uh, a fan of another club who was parachuted into this podcast, you'd say, well, it's a 1-0 defeat to a team who specialise in 1-0 victories. You know, it's the best defence in the in the championship you come up against. But this is the seventh time this season town have lost by one goal. They've only lost by two or more twice. Um, and they're scoring in a, a lot of their games. It's It's rare, actually, that they draw a blank like this but they don't create enough from open play i think that's clear but it's it's the cumulative effect at this point because it's as i say seven defeats by a single goal already um there are already nine losses into this season they only had 11 in all of last year they've had two clean sheets that means they've had clean sheets in 14 percent of their games they've only been worse than that uh in three seasons in their entire history and they got relegated in all three um 1975 1988 and 2019 um the teams that they've played it's not like they've played all the top half teams and have all the bottom half to no. come no. they they've played 14 games and nine of them were against teams that were in the bottom half coming into this round of midweek fixtures some of them have moved up now ahead of the wednesday game some will drop back down etc it'll change but coming into the the this round they played um uh yeah, they played five of the top half, and one of them's Birmingham, who are twelfth. So it's not like you're looking at the rest of the this first half of the season and going, "Oh well, they've got all the rest of the bottom." They've half had to play a tough start. Point. Yeah, yeah, they've not. Um, and that, that's a point we couldn't really make earlier in the season because you're waiting to see who's going to be good, who's going to be bad this season. We're at a point now where we've got a league table where we're starting to see who's good and who's bad. The points they've picked up this season apart from Luton, have all been against teams that have either just sacked their managers or sacked their managers shortly after um, mm. after playing town. Um, possible exception of West Brom, who took a while to sack Steve Bruce, but I think <laughs> you'd find plenty of West Brom fans who said that that was uh, extremely delayed, that decision. So, uh, And they're the only team in the division who have uh, won less games than town, having played at least as many. So this is a really sort of dire situation now, and you know, we we were we went easy a little bit in Fotheringham's first game, few games in charge because partly because it was sort of Reading and Luton, two tough games first off. Those, those are two of the top half sides to play. But you know, they they beat Hull, yeah, but Hull are probably the worst side we've seen in the division this year. And I've spoken to other journalists who have said exactly the same thing about Hull City, including oh, the Hull yeah. City journalist. Um, <laughs> mm. um, you know, and and you can't sort of take those points away from them, but. <laughs> I think you can sort of go game by game and say, well, they, you know, they lost because of this or it was individual errors or it was, 
it was under Danny Schofield and it didn't work or whatever. But when you've done it as many times as they have, and this is the basically the entirety of the season they've had so far, you have to you can't give them that latitude or that scope anymore. And I completely agree with you. It's on you know it's on the players at this point, and we're not. We'll we'll talk about the club and Fotheringham in a bit, but they're two managers deep now. They've had a manager who I think we sort of all acknowledge was probably a bit too uh, soft on them. Um, and they didn't respond to him. They then brought in uh, a manager who is, you know, ruthless with his selections, has not been afraid to drop players, um, and they've not responded to that either. And at a certain point, you need to the players need to look at themselves rather than, yeah. you know, you know, rather than sitting there. And... This is my point. This is the thing I, I really wanted to say last night and I really wanted to say today. You know, I'm just going to address one rumour head on, Steve, and I will, like me and Steve only deal in the truth, so we don't sit here and say, we've hey, we don't we don't report everything we've heard. Um, and that comes from, from, you know, within or without the club. But obviously there was there's rumours flying around. There was loads on on Twitter last night, etc. That oh, Mark Fotherham's not getting on with the players. All the players hate him. You know they they can't get on with him. All these rumours a slight variation on each other, which probably tells you something about their about their validity. But we had all these rumours about Danny Schofield as well. These exact rumours. Oh, the players can't get on with him. They don't like him for different reasons. But we had exactly the same rumours. At some point, the players have, have got it. This this season to date is an underperformance. Town should not be nearly bottom of the table. They they should they've got a a very competitive first eleven. They've got a decent squad, even with the absentees they've got at the moment. They have a decent squad. Well, they should got, not be in this position. They've got six players out, but there's only three who you would say are pretty much nailed exactly. starters. Which is uh, Pearson, obviously a huge miss. Hogg, we know like what an important leader he is, and Tino Andrin, um, who obviously you know we're talking about the lack of creativity. He's a player who could solve that. But the rest of them, you know, it's Will Boyle, Pat Jones, and Tyree Simpson. Who you know, mm. I don't think I don't think we're you know we like Pat Jones. We're intri- intrigued by Tyree Simpson, but find us but a just champ- to ro- just to find roll us that a champ- back, find us a championship side that doesn't have three starters out at the yeah. moment or hasn't had them out at some point this season, you know? They should be able to cope with that. And just to roll that back a second, Matty Pearson is a huge miss. Yeah. Me and you think it is a... You almost can't say how big a miss it is. But they went and bought Mikhail Hellick, who is an excellent defender, and they have plenty of options. You know, they've got Yuta Nakayama who can come in there. It's not like... We're saying, all oh, right, well, they're having to play, you know, a 15-year-old there. Mm. They have options. Jonathan Hogg, reading on social media, some fans don't think he's a starter anyway. So that kind of negates the argument that, oh, he would definitely be in the team. Because you look at Etienne Kamara and David Kasumu, Jonathan Hogg, Dwayne Holmes, Jack Radonai, uh, there's probably people I'm forgetting. They have plenty of options, essentially. I don't think any of them is guaranteed to start 20 games in a row far from it so and Tino Andrian is Tino Andrian you know he's he's great at what he does but I would suggest even then Steve you have to slightly measure the games you bring him in for because he doesn't offer a huge deal going backwards you know so you yeah. can't I think, he's, games... I, I, I think he's tailor-made for that 10 role that, that Dwayne Holmes is talking about yeah when, but, when the he's thing, fit, but... but the thing is like 
he's not even completed 90 minutes yet. Nowhere near. So the players that they're missing, I, I'm not having that, you know, these three players have gone and they're the, that they're the ones who would make it tick. It's This is an underperformance. However you, you slice it and you can, you know, if you choose to believe it's all down to Danny Schofield or it's all down to Mark Fuller and that's fine. But I, I just I just can't see it. You know, at some point you you need more from a squad that should have more. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's th- that's the thing. I think the jury is out on Fotheringham, to be fair. But it's it's still sort of too early for us to say one way or the other. Um but he doesn't have he doesn't have the luxury of loads of time, does he? You know, Danny Schofield no. got nine games. You know, Fotheringham's taken the same number of points from his first five that that Schofield did. And you can go two ways with that. One is um he's not had a pre-season and he's inherited a team mm. that had already had a poor start, so that might make things more difficult. But the other way you need to go with it is, well, they got they didn't get rid of Danny Schofield so that they could continue on the same points per game trajectory. Mm. So, you know, so they would have wanted to see an uplift. Yeah, and also, just to go directly back to that rumour, you know, we had the same rumours about Carlos Corbran as well, if you mm-hmm. remember. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. the players don't get on with him, they can't get with him on the training. Any Anytime there's a loss of form at any club, you get it. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? There might be a grain of truth in it. But what I'm saying is that I I saw I seen a lot of people sort of basically just kind of whitewash history and say that you know well this is obviously all Danny Schofield and Mark Fotheringham. I just don't think it is at this point. You know there are there are players here who all season we're 14 games in now who all season have never hit anything like what we know is their best, and there may be reasons for it. Like collectively, at some point they've got to they've got to go. Hang on a sec. You sit here wondering at what point is pride going to kick in, and they're going to go. Oh, well, hang on a sec. We're second bottom here. <laughs> you know, we've we've one manager's gone. We're on to another manager. At some point, you would have thought they're going to go. Okay, we've got to really get into this because the whole game. I think you have to, as you've already done, is like kind of kind of place it in a bubble because Hull are so poor. <laughs> but at Luton, we both saw little green shoots of what could happen in the future. Yeah, yeah. It we was it was a strange game. Play, maybe maybe yeah. in that game. Yeah. Against it's side. it's a weird game because there were so there were a couple of sort of freakish goals and it was all yeah. Oh, it was all freakish goals. Yeah. <laughs> but you see you you saw that, but we're not sitting here pretending that was great either. You know, like Nobody this season has sort of had a what I, would, I think only I think only Etienne Kamara has really played anything like. Yeah, and he had a poor game uh, against Preston. He was at fault for the goal. I think it's yeah absolutely fair to say he gets he, he's so soft. You know, the lad's six foot three, and Greg Craig Birmingham gives him a little nudge in the back, and and he just doesn't even jump for the ball. He, you know, it's experience. You know, we're talking about a lad who's nineteen here. Uh, and I really like Etienne. I think he's got, a, a, you know, a big future. But um, he has to learn from that because that was that was very very soft from him. Uh, and I think he played very conservatively. Um, I think it took him a, a good sort of twenty minutes to recover from from that mistake and and play himself back into the game. I think he had quite a poor spell. But uh, I mean, you mentioned they've got options in central midfield. That is an area where we both felt in the summer they they needed yeah. Some- they needed another I, signing, particularly now that John Russell's out the side and isn't being considered. Yeah, they're, and they're, you, you, they're look at, you look at their options, and I think they've got plenty of options, but even from the limited time we've had, you think, have they got 
what me and you think would probably be like a an ideal Mark Fotheringham eight? Probably not really. I think they've Jack got, they've, got, they've got sort of well, Kasumu, Kamara, and Hogg are their main quality is, is off they? the ball. Yeah, they're yeah, all they're, they're all sixes. sort of destroyers, and Kasumu's got a bit more on the ball than that. Mm. Um, but Jack Rodone is is like the prime candidate, but <laughs> I slightly feel for him because I feel like I feel like if any one of those several really good chances he had early in the season goes in, you know, there was that one where he was one on one, he's had several decent shots, etc. I think you're probably seeing a different different player at the moment. I feel he's lost his confidence a little bit, mm. but he's still. He's still got a hell of a lot of bottle. He still shows. He's still one player who's always, you know, trying to make himself available. But yeah, that is that is an obvious area they may need to improve in January. But you know, they've they're like <laughs> they've got to get to January, haven't they? They can't be. Yeah. The the only sort of good thing we can say at the moment, like overall in in terms of the situation, is the championship this season is not brilliant in my honest opinion so i i it, it's very doubtful to me that huddersfield town are going to get massively cut off at it, some point it feels much more like a, a much more we think we've said this before but it feels more like a level division than yes than yeah previous years I, I mean i think there's like eight points between first place and something ridiculous like about 18th so yeah it's it's a very tight league and three games can completely change you Fortunes. The, the bad, the bad news there though is I don't think there's like a, the bottom three. I mean, the fact that Birmingham and Reading stayed up last year, I think, tells you mm-hmm. how poor the division was was last yeah. season. Um, uh, so that is bad news for Huddersfield. Um, it feels a, li- a little bit like um, 2019-20, where you ended up with sort of it could have been any any three of six, and you wouldn't have said that any of those three were like desperately awful, like you no. sometimes get in this league. So. Yeah, I I think people will be saying we need to criticise Lee Bromby and, and Dean Hoyle for, for the situation they're in. And there may be, there's obviously, you know, we, we are very cognizant of that and we're not above mm. doing that. I think where I am at the moment is there's sort of this, this three options here, and I put this in the five conclusions. One is Mark Fotheringham's going to turn them around, but he just needs a little bit more time. And we're having a massive winch here, but we set a <laughs> we, we set a points minimum for them before the whole game, which was they need seven points from the, the five that followed. They've got three from three. They could well get those finished with those seven mm. points from this little five game get to nine. And if they do, we'll say we'll find job done. They've had a blip in the middle, but but they've you know they've yeah. they've, they've steadied yeah, yeah, themselves yeah. again. But sitting here right now, we you know, they don't look like they're on track to do that. Um so I think there's three options. One is Fotheringham needs more time, but he's going to get them there. The other is Fotheringham is no improvement on Danny Schofield and they've made the wrong appointment twice, which the club would need to be criticised for. And the third option is this squad, the makeup of this squad just is not right uh, and no manager can get anything out of them, in which case it's also on the club, isn't it? So yeah. they... They really need to. We we still because we've got the jury out on Fotheringham at the moment, and we're willing to give him that bit more time. We also have to sort of hold our judgment for the club a little bit, but we can't for much longer. <laughs> no, I, there are certain inescapable facts. Mm. Danny Schofield was let go because his inexperience 
was so stark that you just couldn't stick with him for any longer. You know, to be frank, if they had, it could be an even worse position because there was just no improvement. It was getting worse. But with Mark Fotheringham coming in, you need to kind of recognise the fact that you got rid of a bloke because his inexperience was showing and replaced him with a very inexperienced manager. Now, I know Mark Fotheringham has worked with all these great people, but, you know, the the football is sort of littered with with great coaches, etc., who worked with lots and lots of good people. But, you know, Brian Kidd was an awful manager. You know, there are there are various other things you can point to. We don't... We have to acknowledge that, but I think... When I was addressing the rumours and stuff earlier, it's because I just I just don't believe, as some fans seem to, that this is all down to one thing. You know, I think there's yeah, a whole combination great. of things. I, for me, the single biggest thing is the, the, the level of underperformance, because that's what I truly believe it is. But yeah, we have to slightly temper it with Mark Fotherin, and we're both very on the fence at the moment, because... We've seen a few good things and we've seen a few bad things. Mm-hmm. You know, the, only using one sub tonight last night to me was madness. <laughs> madness. Because if ever a game needed changing, I mean, if ever a game needed the kitchen sink throwing at it at some yeah. point, uh, that was it. So that's, that's a point of criticism. But yeah, you know, you look at the decisions Lee Bromby's made and Dean Hoyle, has made, etc. And we have to look at them. It's difficult for us to criticise in the moment because Town could go and win their next three. And then every suddenly the fans are flip-flops and everybody goes, well, you two didn't know what you were on about. You two wanted them out, etc. Because you're never allowed to change your mind or have a different opinion. But certainly at the moment, there's a lot of things, I, I said it to you earlier, it just feels like there's a lot of things that are adding up to trouble, isn't there? Yeah. Well, if That's Fotheringham the issue. Does, if Fotheringham doesn't succeed, that is on the club isn't it yeah you know yeah um and they they have and i wrote this at the time they pointed him you know they've stuck by their structure they kept all the coaching staff except danny schofield um we obviously we know they can't do anything in you know transfer wise at the moment that you know we're, we're out of the window so you can't do anything in that area but all the more reason that they had to get that head coach appointment right so you know they've they've really staked everything on this appointment working and mm. if it doesn't then either they've got the, the the appointment wrong for the second time in three months or the recruitment was wrong in the summer or both and or there's an there is another thing here which is that it could be that they they've refined the structure to such a point that it's almost impossible for anyone to work in it unless you find the perfect person you know yeah. it's like they've built it round yeah. certain people and certain frameworks and you know that it's got to the point where it's so rigid and so structured that anyone coming in and having to work with it is almost it's like you're basically holding them back you know your time one arm behind their back so that might be the case as well that that to be frank they need to bring somebody in who could at whatever level to just introduce a little bit more freedom and a yeah. little bit more you know i know i we say we say this on the pitch, but you know the one thing town lack is a little bit of chaos on the pitch, and there's nothing wrong with a bit of chaos on the pitch sometimes. And I mean, how many years have we been doing this podcast, and how many years have I been saying to you they never ever ever play on adrenaline, yeah. they never ever get ahead of steam up, and that 
it's all right having this structure and the type of football that you want to play and the system you believe in and all that sort of thing. But there are there are like fundamentals that never seem to move, <laughs> that never seem to change. And you can keep saying, well, it's this thing or it's this thing or it's this thing. But when you've changed everything else, you might have to look at it and go, okay, this is, it's the structure itself that is holding yeah, exactly. things back. Exactly. Yeah. So not a good position at the moment, but away trip to Middlesbrough and God, that's a huge, huge game, isn't it? Yeah. It feels a bit ridiculous that the 15th game of the season away to Middlesbrough feels this big doesn't yeah, it that's yeah. that's probably a marker of where we are right now but it just shouldn't be the way yeah totally agree i mean at, at time of recording the of the team directly head of town and <laughs> the funny thing is that like they've wasted two opportunities now if they'd won either of the last two games they'd be out of the the bottom three and they still have that that chance again uh at yep. the weekend potentially so you know, it's 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 not all lost. Um, and as we said earlier, you know, they could go and get the points that put them back on track for survival. And we're sitting here uh, in 10 days' time and everything looks very different. But these, this is where we are now and this is the conversation we need to have, Dave. We can't talk about hypothetical futures where they've got six no. points when, <laughs> when that's, you know, that's more than half the points they've taken so far this season. The thing that did occur to me is that in Carlos Corbran's first season, I think it was the third game in after they'd been to Brentford and lost or second game in, they went to Brentford, they lost 3-0 and they offered absolutely nothing. They were really bad on the day. And we did a podcast where we said how bad it was and our overriding feeling was that really needed to be the baseline. That needed to be the 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 lowest point. Everything, all the needles needed to start moving from there. I kind of feel this podcast is our version of that for Mark Fotheringham, isn't it? You know, it's we've yeah. got to start seeing the needles moving and, from and this we, point. And we've said it about town multiple times this season. But but yeah, for Fotheringham, that's yeah, that's spot on. I think. Um, yeah, hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Well, at uh, least at least the music recommendations coming, and I know people love that. Go on then. Uh, I after delving into Massive Attack, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, before I was ill, and then during I was ill, I've ended up rediscovering uh, Max and Key, Max and Quay, sorry, by uh, Tricky, which is just a magnificent album. Lovely stuff. Uh, I'm gonna. It doesn't need the publicity. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to oh, go Coldplay with... again, Steve, is it? I know. Little Sims won the Mercury Prize uh, for Sometimes I May Be Introvert. And that is one of my favourite albums of the past ooh, five or ten years. Uh, I think it's brilliant. So if you haven't checked it out, then now is the ideal time to do it. Cool. Right. We'll be back at, with you after the Borough game. I think we're aiming at Monday podcast, aren't we, yeah. Dave, next week? Yeah, so... we'll... We will get one in on Monday, yeah. Bye. Bye.